get woke, go broke only means for you, not BLM. Stacey Abrams finds out why boycotts really doesn't work for the voting base. And more trouble in Minneapolis as the Chauvin trial is now moving on. All today, Eric's America. You have come to the right place. Hope you love America. Hope you're tired of the same thing all day, every day. Bringing you a different point of view. Bringing you the right point of view. From an everyday American, recorded all over. No agenda, just America. Hello, welcome back. Glad everybody is here. Glad to still be around. Yeah. And uh yeah, more people tuning in. That is awesome. Well, I'll say tuning in. Isn't that an, that's old. Uh more people finding us. There we are. More people finding us, checking it out and liking what they hear apparently. Which is good, which is great. And uh got quite a bit going on today. Um you know, not so much of it is political, I guess, but, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what all is going on. Uh, not a whole lot uh, in the political terms, really, so much, but a whole lot of cultural stuff going on. So we're going to talk about all of it today. Uh, just want to remind everybody uh, to subscribe, and that does not mean you have to pay anything. They say that. They keep saying that uh, people don't want to subscribe to things because they think it's going to cost. It's not. It's free. It just means you get notified when new episodes come out, which is always uh, always a good thing because uh, if you're like me, working full-time and doing this, uh, sometimes it's not always the exact same time every day. So uh, it's a good thing to have uh, to know when the episode comes out. I mean, just last week, I was a day late, but not a dollar short, apparently. Anyway, um, and uh, always subscribe like rate and review uh the ratings mean a whole lot the stars matter a whole lot and comments well say whatever you'd like tell me what your favorite color is it doesn't really matter the stars are what really matter so having said that we will get into it today so yeah there's a lot of fallout apparently and apparently now uh one of the uh, BLM people in uh, New York, I think, or Brooklyn, eh, same thing, uh, wants an investigation into, um, you know, the leadership of BLM. And why would they want to investigate into the leadership of BLM? Well, um, here's why. Last year, apparently in 2020, BLM raised over $90 million, you know, for the cause. Now, all the people uh, on the conservative side or libertarian side has been saying for a while that, wait a second, you need to check this out because it's BLM Inc. for a reason. It's BLM Incorporated for a reason. I don't exactly think they're doing what you think they're doing, but uh, people didn't listen and especially large corporations because they're scared. It's all, you know, it's all basically mob tactics. It says, hey, listen, you give us money and you support us. Or we're going to send in the people to, uh, you know, break up your business and burn it down. And uh, is that illegal? Is that racketeering? Maybe that's something we should look into. Just just a hint out there. Just because you put it out on a flag, a flag or a sign uh, doesn't make it any less of a mob tactic. And that's exactly what it is. And everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. They know why, you know, Woca-Cola is being so Woca-Cola. 
you know, they don't want uh, all these people to show up and start uh, boycotting them or trashing them on Twitter. And, and really, it comes down to not having a spine. That's the biggest part of it is just not having enough uh, backbone to say, you know what, I don't care what you say. You know, enough people want to buy our product and uh, won't you just uh, screw off? But they're not doing it. But anyway, um, they want to check into this now because apparently uh, Patrice Cullors uh, one of the founders of BLM has been on a bit of a spending spree, just a bit, just a bit. Now I know there is a lot of backlash over where she's buying property because she's on a property buying spree. And, uh, the one that got, uh, I don't know if you know who Jason Whitlock is. He was a sports uh, announcer on, I believe it was Fox sports or one of them. Uh, he was a sports anchor, sports host. And, uh, you know, he's a more of a conservative guy. And so he left that and had started doing more with the uh, conservative kind of thing. And, of course, you know, they didn't like that. They got rid of him. Uh, but apparently he put this out on Twitter, and now he's locked. He's in Twitter jail because of it. Because he put out that uh, one of the houses she bought is a $1.4 million home in Topanga Canyon in California, which is a uh, very high-end, uh, mostly white, rich people neighborhood. And uh, that's caused some problems. Uh, apparently, she has three other uh, properties in the U.S. One of them is uh, not too far outside of Atlanta, uh, where she has uh, three or four acres, something like that. And she has a uh, an airport and an airplane hangar, um, you know, because that's what you need, you know. And what's funny about that is, uh, you know, uh, she uh, she says some funny things. And if you think about somebody who's creating a company, uh, they're selling an idea, they're making money off of it and buying um, real estate. You think of somebody that's pretty into capitalism, right? But no, this is uh, it's not. Here's uh, here's what she has to say. Here, check this out. I actually do have an ideological frame of myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we uh, are trained Marxists. Oh, yeah, you're Marxists. Um, well, I think you're going to have to probably roll over to communist, uh, because you're just, uh, strong arming people and threatening people to give you money and then you're using it to buy property. So maybe you should switch over to only communism or that's really weird. Um, I don't believe that if this was a Marxist or communist country, um, you would make anything. Um, we don't seem real willing to do a lot of hard work and that's what, uh, communism really, they really, uh, value people that will, you know, break rocks and whatnot. Uh, they're not real big on, uh, you know, you selling, uh, your brand, let's say that's, let's say a capitalism thing, but you know, Hey, maybe you're just, a a trained Marxist. She loves Marx, by the way. She goes on to talk about it. Although, this is really weird. I don't think she really understands, but here's her talking about uh, her and her Marxism, I guess. Talk about it. Am I a Marxist? I'm a lot of things. I do believe in Marxism. It's a philosophy that I learned really early on in my organizing career. We were taught to learn about the systems that were criticizing capitalism. We can't allow for fear to dictate how we understand what's possible. You want to know a funny fact? Everybody called Dr. Martin Luther King a communist. That was the terrible word he was called forever, up until he was assassinated. And now, everybody loves Dr. Martin Luther King. 
Yeah, it's really weird. Uh, you might want to go check and see all those people that hated Martin Luther King. I'm pretty sure they had D's uh, behind their name to say they were, you know, Democrats. Uh, and of course they called him a communist. Uh, he did get a little bit further left leaning, I guess, before, right before he, uh, died. But, uh, I don't believe a lot of the things that, uh, Martin Luther King was, um, espousing was a very communist view. Um, you know, uh, a meritocracy, uh, content of character, not color of skin. And it's really weird that somebody who literally pedals, and I do mean pedals, because she is a uh, capitalist, so to speak, because she's selling a brand uh, to enrich herself and buy property. In fact, she's looking at a place, I guess, in bah in the Bahamas or somewhere, uh, somewhere in the islands that uh, the minimum buy-in, the minimum buy-in to buy the cheapest house in this uh, area is uh, $5 million. So I'm guessing all that money that BLM is making is... I mean, it's really helping out the people. And that's what you should get. I mean, this is what really solidifies what's going on. The people at the top are selling the brand, selling the garbage and the ideas to people on the street. And the people on the street are going out and doing, uh, you know, rioting and looting and scaring the crap out of people. So they'll give these people more money so they can go buy homes all over the country and all over the world. So, I mean, it's it's a little different uh, model maybe than uh, the traditional capitalist. It's very, uh, very familiar uh, tactic for, you know, say Italian crime families or any kind of mafia uh, or organized crime. They're very, very adept at this. Um, they've been doing it for a long time all over the world. And uh, I guess uh, these people just decided to cash in on it. And uh, the real tragedy is they don't give a damn. I mean, that's why they don't actually are principled. Everybody wants them to be somehow principled. Like, well, this shooting doesn't seem right or this incident doesn't seem like what you're talking about. Well, they don't care. <laughs> they, they really don't care. You don't have principles when you are running a crime syndicate. I mean, I, I don't know of any like mob bosses that anybody was like, well, you know, I mean, he was a bad guy, but he had really great principles. No, that's not how that works. Sorry. And that's all these people are doing. And they have plenty of foot soldiers. The funny part is this is what's really new about this. Now, other crime fa families have to give, you know, uh, some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of salary or some sort of kickback to their, uh, you know, their foot soldiers. You know, they got to pay them and keep them happy. Apparently, the only thing that BLM is giving to their people is the chance to burn down their own neighborhood and steal, steal some shoes and TVs from the local box chains. Now, I'm not, I, I don't know about you. But I'm not really sure that uh, that's a great uh, business model because pretty soon those areas are going to be, you know, desolate because nobody's going to move a business there. Uh, these box stores will finally get tired of it. And uh, let's just say that it's not going to be a real viable business model. But do you think these people care? No, of course they don't. They're living right now. They're amassing millions and millions of dollars. They're extorting people's money. And where did they get the idea? I'm pretty sure they got the idea from, uh, you know, Saul Alinsky. Rules for Radicals. That's where they get all this stuff. This isn't Marx. Marx, if they actually read Marx, they would hate Marxism because Karl Marx was a virulent racist. He hated black people. 
He was not shy about it. He is was a vile racist and espoused his racism quite eloquently in his writings. He had no need for any minorities whatsoever. So, sorry, Patrice, I don't think you're reading Karl Marx. Pretty sure you just bought um, Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. And he told you what you should know about uh, Marx. And unfortunately, you didn't bother in reading the rest of it or exactly how that works. Because Saul Alinsky wasn't a communist, per se. He was all about organized crime. And he thought their business model was great and a great way to get political power by using mob tactics. And, I mean, these people read it and believed it, and they're using it. Um, but, you know, it doesn't work out so great for everybody. All the people in those neighborhoods that are now, like, there is no businesses around. Their, their neighborhood's ruined. Nobody's going to move anything in there. Everything's shit. Well, you know, they're the ones that's going to suffer while, uh, oh, good old Patrice here and the rest of them, I mean, they're going to be jet-setting. You know what I mean? They're going to be jet-setting. they got luxury homes everywhere. And boy, do they deserve it. I mean, they've been through so much. I mean, they're just multi-millionaires now. You know? I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, they should be multi-billionaires, right? Because everybody, every, you know, all the white people are. Haven't, hasn't everybody noticed that all the white people are just multi-billionaires? And uh, we're keeping these people oppressed because they're only multi-millionaires now. So, I mean, we're really oppressive, I'll tell you. So, some people that this uh, is not working out so well for, because apparently, isn't this a weird concept? Apparently, if you don't think things through and you apply uh, today's answers to long-term problems, uh, sometimes you shoot yourself in the foot. Just saying, it happens. It is a problem. And... Yeah, some of it's starting to come home to roost in good old uh, Georgia. You remember Georgia. Remember uh, Biden talking about Georgia there? Jim Crow looked like Jim Eagle. Yes, Jim Eagle. Jim Eagle in uh, Georgia. Well, apparently Jim Eagle was really, really good because now all these people are pulling out. You know, MLB moved the All-Star game and... You know, Coca-Cola talking all kinds of uh, garbage and all these uh, different entities moving out. I see Will Smith moved his newest movie. So uh, we're just, we can't, you know, we can't deal with these laws. I mean, uh, I think Will Smith probably has ID. You think he does? You know, it's probably not a problem because, you know, when you're that recognizable, everybody knows who you are. So if you come in with, you know, like a fake ID, they're going to be like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. We know who you are. Uh, so I guess it's not a problem for him, but proving who you are is a huge problem apparently for minorities. And that was the problem in Georgia. Now they're walking it back and this is all of them walking it back except for, uh, stupid ass Warnock. He doesn't even know. He does knows better. He, I mean, we obviously knew he had no idea, um, what the hell he was doing or talking about when he was running to be the Senator there. Luckily he's not there for very long and, I'm pretty sure he's going to be gone real damn soon. But anyway, the rest of them um, have now, like, changed their tune. They're like, hey, wait a second, guys. Uh, this isn't doing so well. This isn't going so well. You know, we we said you should, you know, fight against this voting law thing. But where the hell are y'all are y'all going? Where are y'all going? Everybody's leaving. Uh, wait a second. Our constituency is going to be pretty pissed. Um now we're getting into their pockets and uh, they're not going to be too happy. And so they're starting to walk it back. And uh, 
And uh, Stacey Abrams is like pleading with him like, hey, guys, guys, you can speak out against it. But boycott maybe a little much. Boycotts maybe much. It's starting to really hurt. It's starting to really hurt. These people are getting pissed. And of course they are. Of course they're going to get pissed. And you know what? I, I don't know what to do. I, you know, I hate to be that way. I hate to be like, well, you get what you deserve, but you're the one who you're the ones who pushed and allowed these people to have such a big voice and so much control and you voted in their people and now you get, you reap what you sow. And now all these people are going to be hurt. A lot of, you know, there's going to be a lot of Georgians now out of work because they're not going to work in these production companies, you know, uh, all the businesses that make money off of the MLB being there uh, for the all-star game, all the extra income for uh, movies and production that goes on there. It's gone. Now you got a whole bunch of unemployed people that are miserable and they're looking at you and they're going, Hey guys, what the hell? You know, this law doesn't look that uh, screwed up to me. I mean, all you have to do is be, you know, who you say you are and from where you say you are and you can vote. Um, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. And, uh, so yeah, that's starting to backfire and it couldn't happen to a nicer group of people. Uh, and I'm talking about Stacey Abrams and Raphael Warnock, crazy radical nut job and Ossoff and the rest of them. I mean, it couldn't, it really couldn't happen to a better group of people. And I would say I feel bad and I do feel bad for the everyday people that don't support this and now are suddenly, you know, out of a job. One thing it is going to do is change the demographic of Georgia because you pull all the Hollywood lefties out of there and all that. I mean, it's a solid red state. So uh, they really shot themselves in the foot. Um, there you are. Get woke, go broke. But if you're BLM, boy, is it profitable. Wow. And I mean, this happens over and over. It's not just, I mean, of course they bought the Saul Linsky rules for radicals, whole bullshit, but, uh, you know, they kind of went with the, uh, Michael Moore, you know, he's another one that's just, God, just, I mean, not only does he look like a slug, which he really does. He looks like a cartoon slug from a movie. He's just disgusting. There are very few individuals i try to be very open-minded and and look for the best qualities in people and god he's just one of those people that there is not a redeeming quality about the man period there's just not there's not a redeeming quality about him he's a a absolute stupid just ridiculously stupid human being he looks like a slug off of star wars he sounds annoying. He is annoying. And on top of that, he's a ginormous farce. Just a big fraud who is just cashing in as a capitalist while he rails against capitalism. It's absolutely, there's just not a redeeming quality about him. And these other people are getting there. And they starting to find out that the, some of them are starting to find out that it's a, it's a bad time if you haven't cashed in on it like BLM Incorporated because they've cashed in and they're buying homes. They're doing well. And you'll notice they're not buying homes in, you know, South Central L.A. No, they're going out to where it's nice in Topeka Canyon. Can't be around. I mean, you can only imagine what the uh, what the conversation's like. Well, why are you moving out to Topeka Canyon? Well, I don't want to be here when all those people show up and start rioting and burning shit, right? I mean... I mean, yeah, it's sort of our fault, but, you know, we don't want to be around. 
It's just the typical hypocrisy of people that have no no scruples, no moral compass whatsoever. And I'm not just speaking speaking about, you know, a religious moral. I'm talking about basic human morals and decency. Um, they just don't have any. I mean, they don't care. They absolutely do not care. So, uh, well, I guess the next big story right now is uh, the Chauvin trial still going on. Minneapolis is already burning. Um, after the shooting of... Uh, was it Dante Wright? I believe it is. And I've watched the video. If you haven't watched it yet, it is sad. It really is sad. And uh, people are kind of skeptical. I know they're kind of skeptical. They're like, well, they said they pulled him over because he had an air freshener on his rearview mirror. Now, to a whole lot of people in other states where they are not Nazis about this sort of thing would find that uh, like, yeah, right. Yeah, sure. You were profiling him or whatever. Um. I have personal experience with this. Uh, so last year, uh, last summer, early summer, about this time last year, I was working in South Dakota, right on the border with Minnesota. And uh, my son came out to visit me for like a week or whatever. And uh, he left and he was going back a different direction than what he had came. So he's going through Minnesota. And he literally is on, uh, you know, like the interstate highway going 75 miles an hour. And uh, a cop literally pulls a Yui on the highway to pull him over because he had an air freshener hanging from his rearview mirror. So, yes, they are that big of Nazis in Minnesota about your air fresheners on your uh, rearview mirror. I have no idea why. I have no idea what crazy, weird, communist, uh, just stupid ideology came up with the fact that if you have a uh, air freshener on your mirror that's a good idea to then initiate traffic stops and somehow that's illegal uh, that tells you all you need to know about uh, minnesota it's not a good place to go at all but anyway um so yeah they pulled him over then they run to find out he has a warrant uh, aggravated assault um in the past and different things but none of that has anything to do with what happened uh, did he try to resist? Yeah, he knew he was getting arrested and he had charges. He runs, tries to get back in the car. And none of this, and this is not like one of those things where an officer warns him and then shoots him. Uh, literally, the lady just screwed up. And you can ask a lot of questions about her training, which we should. We should ask a lot of questions of her competency and how she got to where she is if she's not this competent. Honest question. And maybe we need to figure out what's going on with the Minneapolis Police Department that people are out on the street as police officers that are this um, this bad because she's just bad. It's not that she's she's not racist. She's really bad because you can hear like she draws her gun and yells taser taser, which is what you're supposed to let everybody know that you're about to fire off a taser. And then she shoots one shot, realizes that it's her gun, freaks out and says, you know, oh, shit, I shot him. Uh, and you can genuinely see that she has no idea. And that is terrifying. That should never happen. You should never, ever, ever, ever have a police officer that is, you know, has serious competency issues like that. I mean, you have to know what you're drawing. This is just basic, basic principles. If you're drawing a gun, you better know it's a gun. If you're drawing a taser, you know, it's a taser. Uh, this is all shit that should be taken care of in training. My suspicion my suspicion of this is the fact that they defunded the police because of BLM Inc. Because BLM Inc. needed money for houses around the country. They needed to be able to enrich themselves. And uh, they needed foot soldiers out there to take care of that. 
to get them more bribe money, to get them to stop. And uh, because of that, you know, they defunded the police. I mean, they're just using these people. These people are just stupid pawns in a big game. And they're cleaning up on it. Um, so they defunded the police, then found out, holy shit, crime is going through the roof. We need police officers. They start doing a big hiring boom. Uh, and, you know, I suspect that training is not going on to the full extent that it needs to. They don't have all the funding. They probably need to do that. And this is why it is important to have those things, have the funding and resources to do proper training and to be able to weed people out. You should not have to lower the standards. This is what you get. You get somebody who makes a terrible, terrible mistake. Terrible. And uh, then they start uh, burning the city down. But apparently the best way in Minneapolis to uh, really hold the police department accountable for having somebody who's by all. I mean, I don't know the full story and I hate to be this bad about it. But from watching that having somebody who absolutely should not be on the street because they are not ready to be there and taking care of something like this. That's just the the truth of it. It's just not trained enough and not properly uh, vetted enough to be on the street. You know, she pulled her gun, thought it was a taser, pulled the trigger, and that's when she realized she had a firearm. That should never happen. It just shouldn't. Um, but the best way to get over this, the best way to heal is to loot a shoe store and loot the liquor store because what else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? Would you protest and say, hey, listen, um, we don't want this kind of incompetency on the street. We don't. And we're going to hold people accountable that let this happen. The problem is, who are you going to hold accountable? Because I feel like this is probably a direct result of BLM Incorporated. Hey, there's a great idea. Sue them. I hear they got a lot of extra money uh, just to buy real estate everywhere. So, you know, they may have some disposable income that uh, some of these people that are robbing the liquor store probably, you know, probably could use. Um, it's, it's just sickening. And, and like I said, you watch this. I mean, it has absolutely nothing to do with racism. You see somebody who is not properly trained. Was this guy a good guy? Um I mean, from reading some of the stuff, like some of the warrants he had outstanding, some of the stuff he had been charged with, not a super great guy, uh, but it didn't have to escalate to that point. And the problem is it wasn't. And that's that's where it really hitches. Like, you know, you're sitting there reading everything. And before you watch the video, you're like, man, what happened? You watch the video and you just realize that it wasn't escalating to the point of a police shooting somebody just really really should not have been on the street that's just that's my take on it i could be wrong we might find out more later i you're not going to find out anything racist later because that's not what was going on absolutely not um this is just a lady that was an officer that like i say either through improper training or insufficient training or an insufficient vetting process just really screwed up because she was not prepared for that situation and uh, that can even be a leadership thing, you know, to where, you know, maybe there was a commanding officer, some one of her superior officers or whatever should have been put in that position and not her at that moment because she wasn't ready. And uh, and that happens. I mean, it happens. I mean, if you there's a reason why you ride with somebody or or are trained by somebody who is been there over and over and again. And those are the people that take charge to show you 
you know, and show you and tell you how to, you know, stay calm, think clearly, you know, you are taking command of this situation. And if you're not, you panic and you do dumb shit. And this is what happens. And, uh, you know, of course it's sold as, oh, it's the new racism, you know, it's another racist shooting or whatever. And of course, uh, BLM will rack up a few more million and they may just get in to that $5 million neighborhood they're looking at in the islands. And boy, would that be great because, you know, that's what you get when you're a, uh, actually do have an ideological frame of myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we, uh, are trained Marxists. Yeah. I mean, if you're a trained Marxist, this is your way to capitalistic freedom. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it just goes to show you how disingenuous these people are. They're frauds. They're just gangsters. They're just taking it to a new level. That's it. It's a scam. And the sooner companies figure it out, the sooner the better. But these big, huge corporations, you know, they're, something's going to have to happen. Big tech and, and a lot of these big corporations just have to be... I guess it's going to be back to uh, trust-busting days, you know. This is not unprecedented. It has happened before, not to really this scale, not to this kind of power, but it has happened before. Um, check out uh, what happened with, uh, say, Teddy Roosevelt in the turn of the century when uh, corporations were growing uh, humongous. And monopolies do not help the market. Well, let's put it that way. They stifle the market, and that's not what you want. Oh, boy, so much going on. Oh, here's a quick one. I don't know if you saw this. This comes from uh, my home state as of now. Um, uh, Michigan. Abilene College in Michigan. Uh, they had to come out uh, and finally admit that the uh, they caught the person who apparently had went into Mitchell Tower, apparently one of the student uh, dorms or whatever, and spray painted some anti-Semitic and a lot of black hate uh, messages, some KKK stuff, and some uh, some of the N word and different things like that. And uh, as most people would be genuinely confused, like, what the hell? I mean, we're in the middle of a college campus in Michigan. This shit isn't happening. Nobody's showing up. There's nobody in robes showing up. You know, a sheet over their head doing any of this. Which that should be your first clue. Like this shit hasn't happened. This shit doesn't go on. Why the hell would it be going on now? And why the hell would it be here? You would think there would be some logical steps taken in that direction, but there was not. Because people are brainwashed to think that there are just, you know, people on horseback with hoods on just waiting around the corner, which is just stupid. I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I can't feel sorry for people that buy into it because, I mean, all you need is your five senses and you know it's all bullshit. But apparently they bought into it. And, of course, the student body starts doing the protests in March, and they get their signs out and, and all that and blah, blah, blah. And so then the college comes out and says, well, no, it was a 21-year-old black student who uh, had done it and just to spark this thing because they thought they needed a conversation that hasn't happened yet or whatever, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to put it into usual uh, uh, people talk. It means uh, there's no racism going on, but I want to be really important and run a you know movement. I want to be BLM Incorporated and get me five houses. So, uh, well, I better make some up so we can have some to yell about. Uh, but apparently, and this is what should frighten you. This is a college campus. This is supposedly where people that are bright are getting you know educated to be leaders. And even after it stopped, 
Uh, and they came out and said, yeah, it was all a hoax. It was just this dude spray painting bullshit on the walls. In fact, we are going to, you know, we should kick him out. And uh, uh, before he leaves, he needs to be out there cleaning all this up. Uh, they just kept marching and protesting because, I mean, now they have a reason. Now they feel like they have a purpose. And that's our big problem. We have to give people purpose. People have to get back to having purpose in their lives. We can't keep going through this crap. People making up shit and just doing this crazy 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 shit over and over and over and over and over because they have no purpose they have no goal what are they doing they're going you know tens of thousands even hundred thousand dollars in debt for degrees that are not going to fulfill anything in society they are not going to be viable citizens they're just going to be burdened with large debt uh and they have no purpose and no goal and this is what happens they found a purpose. They have a goal. So they feel great, you know, and they're going to march and burn and, and, you know, make up all their signs. And boy, is it a lot of fun. I feel energized. I have purpose. And that really should be the point uh, where we start to make a big difference is we've really got to get people uh, to have more purpose. And to do that, I mean, it's going to take a lot of work. You've got to get rid of all this uh, uh, government backed lending for degrees that mean nothing. I mean, that's that's a huge part. I mean, if you want to go, you know, spend a bunch of money to get a liberal arts degree somewhere, it's not going to help you. That's on you. But let's not keep funding that and putting people majorly in debt that can't afford it. We'll be right back. Have you heard words that, and phrases you don't understand or don't know the meaning of? Well, here's your answer. It's the new leftist to English dictionary from Eric Corp. We help you make sense of words and phrases or let you know they have no meaning. Have you ever heard things like this? Rock and I think it's a right for people to have bad account care. And not have any idea what it means? Well, you're not alone. We don't either. Well, that's why we created the book. To let you know you're not alone and not knowing what something means. It happens all the time. Many words and phrases that leftists say we have no idea what they mean. Or maybe we do. That's why you have to buy the Leftist to English Dictionary from Eric Kaur. We'll help you out anytime you hear interesting phrases like a whole of government approach really means they just want to rob you blind and pay their friends and donors and help them get rich. It's a resource that is invaluable and will help every responsible family in these trying times. The Leftist to English Dictionary from Eric Kaur. Buy today. Save tomorrow. Eric Core is not responsible for any side effects from this product. That includes depression, anxiety, uncontrollable laughter or crying, anger, head injuries, or any unapproved use of this product or its definitions. The Leftist to English Dictionary. Buy it today. You'll thank us tomorrow. And I'm back. Yeah, here's a story. I kind of skipped over it. I try to keep notes anymore. Uh, it's it's a good idea, trust me. Not keeping everything in your head is, is uh, you know, probably a good idea. But apparently another church in Canada, I don't, there is, uh, there's only like video of this. So, you know, it's not going to work out real well with the audio part. But anyway, <clears throat> apparently, and I had talked about the fact of this church a while. It's been a little while back where they arrested the pastor and they threw him in jail for 35 days in Canada for breaking uh, COVID restrictions, which, I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, I know we're all focused on what's going on here. And, you know, of course, I'm actually a little worried what's going to happen here in Michigan again because uh, all the craziness. And that's another whole episode. Probably what we're going to get into Friday is more COVID stuff, the recent COVID stuff. But um, anyway, uh, they threw him in jail, but the the church didn't stop one of the other pastors or associate pastors or something. Anyway, they stepped up and kept it open so apparently the uh if you think things are bad here i mean it is really getting out of hand all around the world but especially canada i mean who thought canada seemed like they were way too polite to do this so they showed up and put like a barbed wire fence around this church and just shut it down like literally just put up a barrier and uh, so apparently the people came out to protest and uh, I guess some people got out of hand and started tearing down the fence because, you know, I mean, in their view, the government had no right to uh, wall off their church, you know. And uh, so then I guess uh, two, around 200, estimated 200 uh, Royal Mounted Police showed up in uh, full tack gear and proceeded to start, uh, uh, I guess, tear gassing these people because they wanted back into their church. I don't know. I mean... You know, they supposedly have many of the same freedoms we do. Their, you know, constitution is supposed to be modeled after ours uh, to a certain degree. But this stuff is crazy. I mean, uh, I did see that the uh, Supreme Court finally uh, uh, kicked California's ass enough that they decided that, well, yeah, the First Amendment's still there. Yeah, I guess. Uh, So California removed their restrictions on a lot of things. Uh, especially, you know, like church services and stuff because, well, you know, we have a First Amendment. And uh, apparently after the Supreme Court reminded them enough times and said, well, you know, this is your fifth time here or fourth, I don't know, fourth or fifth time uh, getting your ass kicked at the Supreme Court, maybe you should just do what you're supposed to do. So they finally did. But this is crazy. I mean, you imagine, I mean, you know, yeah, they said some people got out of hand and started tearing down the fence. Well, you know. This this is the kind of stuff and I want to let people know when we're talking in America about having the Second Amendment, this is what we're talking about. This is the kind of overreach and insanity that starts to happen and then the government starts becoming tyrannical. And that's why you have to have a Second Amendment, because it makes people sit back and think twice and go, wait a second. You know what? Yeah, we may have a lot more guns, but we're going to have to kill a whole hell of a lot of people if we go in there and start trying to enforce this because people may arm themselves and resist. And, you know, yeah, we may kill them, but that's a lot. And a lot of us may die, too. That's the kind of I mean, we talk so much and we did in the past, not so much anymore, but we used to talk about all the time having such an overwhelming force that it deterred people from wanting to attack us. This was the whole point of keeping up the nuclear arsenal, you know, uh, you know, peace through strength. You know, you, everybody knows we have these weapons. We don't plan to use them, but the fact that we have them and let everybody know that, you know, we do have them keeps people from trying to screw with you. And that's essentially what the second amendment is, is to say, Hey, you know, the entire population could be armed. So if we start trying to have massive overreach and really start going full on like authoritarian, well, to accomplish that, we're going to have to kill a hell of a lot of people because there's a hell of a lot of people that are armed to the teeth. And, um, maybe that's not such a great, uh, trade-off, you know, people start seeing stuff like that. We're done. I mean, so 
it's that's what we're talking about. And and people really, really, really need to understand that. That it has nothing to do with a lot of the things people think it does. It, it's not just, the, oh, well, yeah, you got a right to own a gun. Yes, you have a right to own a gun for a very important reason. And you should exercise it. You should do it. Um, you know, it's just, wow. You know, this stuff is crazy. Moving on. Oh, yes. Uh, we were talking, I was talking about the new uh, shooting in Minneapolis. And, of course, it's causing riots and stuff. And I guess uh, last night they... Uh, they had instituted a curfew, and that didn't go well. People are still out violating it. But I know that Minneapolis has got to be on edge. And, of course, they are because the Chauvin trial is going on. Now, if you look on any kind of mainstream media or anything, and I, I hate to say it, even Fox. Even Fox has gotten really bad into this, too. If you read the Chirons or whatever, they're like, you know, basically it's all just, oh, the state's killing it. The state's killing it. The prosecution's just tearing them up. It's, you know. Wiping the floor with them. Oh, yeah, they said this and that. If you've actually checked out any of the trial or check out the transcripts or anybody that's being, you know, truthful about it, uh, you're going to get a completely different story. Now, the past little bit has been the prosecution's case, which means the prosecution for that part of the case should have the upper hand. They should be pummeling the defendant because that's their whole point. That's their whole job is to convince you beyond a reasonable doubt that this person did something nefarious and well the truth is they're just not bringing it home i mean they have uh you know we talked about the fact that the uh their one star witness they wanted to uh use uh basically said no nah, i'm not gonna incriminate myself i'm afraid i'm gonna get charged with murder because you know i sold him drugs and you know essentially alluding to the fact that the drugs they found you know, in his car and, and what was in a system came from this guy. So he was trying to, you know, self-preservation. Um, that was pretty bad. But a lot of these state witnesses are just, you know, not helping them. They had one guy that came up and said, well, that he had used excessive force. And then the defense actually got him to admit that, well, no, actually with stuff going on like this, you know, you get a priority one call. Somebody's resisting arrest, fighting with the police. He was like, he was actually justified in, you know, using a taser and he chose not to do that and just restrain him. And that brings up a lot of questions. You know, that brings up a lot of questions like, well, he could have escalated further and been justified. He didn't. And this is what happened. But I think it was uh, yesterday, I think was a big day uh, for uh, for the defense and the fact that, uh, you know, they had this uh, medical examiner on that basically admitted that, well, under any other circumstance, if she had not seen the video, she would have ruled it either a drug overdose or a heart attack because he had heart problems. And that's what the body told her. She said there was no sign of trauma to the neck or anything like that. No, the hyoid bone wasn't broken, which is a bone in the front of your neck. If you get strangled, uh, that gets broken. No kind of trauma. There was no signs of trauma to uh, that would cause it. So if it wasn't for the video that she watched, and she was like, well, yeah, I watched the video. That's why I knew the police did it. And uh, this is where I run into a problem because science is supposed to be about science, and especially when you're talking forensic science. And, I mean, I can't go into all the cases where they've used junk science and everything else to convict people, and that is horrible, and that shit needs to be corrected. Uh, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a shill for, uh, prosecutors. Trust me. I have a lot of issues with a lot of them and the things they do. So don't, uh, take that in any way as a, 
as that at all. But um, this is bad. This is really bad because you're basically having the medical examiner set up there and say, listen, if I hadn't seen the video, I would have just said he overdosed or he had a heart attack. I mean, that's what the body told me. And I don't, I mean, the defense should have really pounded that point home. They really should. And they did pretty well. And that's huge because you don't need to prove 100% of anything as the defense. That's the prosecution's job. The prosecution is the one that's supposed to prove beyond any reasonable doubt that this person, you know, killed this, uh, you know, that Chauvin killed George Floyd and, you know, knew he was killing him and went ahead and did it. That's basically what they're wanting to convict him of. Uh, I don't see any way possible you can do that. That one statement alone, and it's not the only person. There was uh, the cop that said, hey, he could have used more force and didn't. Um, you know, you have the training materials that show this is the way he was trained to restrain him. And then you have the toxicology. It shows the drugs and everything else, the health history. All these things come out. And now, you know, you've got this lady going, listen, if I would have found him at home, it would have been a heart attack or a drug overdose. I watched the video and said, yeah, the cops killed him. I have no medical. And it's pretty much what she admitted was she did not have like a physical um, a physical medical reason to say it. And that's the important point. And that should have been driven home over and over. It's like, listen, you know, I don't have a scientific medical, you know, here's this on the body that shows that this is what happened. And, and that's huge. So you're seeing all this and this is terrifying. It really is because what they're setting up is another riot. So of course, people in Minneapolis should be worried. It is worrisome. It is terrifying. Uh, and you know, another summer of burning shit and riots, I would not be surprised. I hope not. I definitely am not wishing for that. I certainly hope not, but I'm afraid that's where we're going. And especially, and people are going to feel justified because they're going to be like, Hey, I read all this stuff. It said we were, uh, you know, the prosecution had him. It said that the prosecution was just lay land and haymaker after haymaker. And it's all good. And it's just not true. It's just not true. They may very well get some kind of charge, but uh, murder. No. It's just not going to happen, especially not with the kind of evidence they've had. And then I see the judge uh, refuse to uh, sequester the jury, even though what's going on right now, which if you don't think that influences people seeing stuff already getting looted and burned and they know on the jury, they know what's going to happen if they you know come back with anything less than guilty of murder. And that is not the way our system is supposed to work. Justice is supposed to be blind. That is not blind justice. That's an absolute farce of justice and we should correct it. So we'll see, but it is a scary situation. Oh goodness. What else? What else? Got a couple more stories here. See how much time I have left. Oh, okay. See if I can squeeze these in. Um, I guess, uh, I don't know if you, uh, watch, uh, Tucker, but I watch Tucker Carlson, of course, I, along with many, many other things, but I like Tucker. He's pretty good. Apparently he got in some hot water, uh, for making this statement, uh, last week. Uh, it's kind of long, but, uh, you know, it's, it's really point. Well, I guess it's not. Yeah. It's almost two minute clip. So it's a little long, but here he is talking about the M Im the immigrant crisis with, uh, what it means for everybody. I'm laughing because this is one of about 10 stories that I know you've covered um, where the government shows preference to people who have shown absolute contempt for our customs, our laws, our system itself, and they're being treated better than American citizens. Now, I know 
that the left and all the little gatekeepers on Twitter become literally hysterical if you use the term replacement, if you suggest that the Democratic Party is trying to replace the current electorate, the voters now casting ballots, with new people, more obedient voters from the third world. But they become hysterical because that's, that's what's happening, actually. Let's just say it. That's mm. true. Mm. If, if, look, mm. if this was happening in your house, if you were in sixth grade, for example, and without telling you, your, kid, your parents adopted a bunch of new siblings and gave them brand new bikes and let them stay up later and help them with their homework and gave them twice the allowance that they gave you, you would say to your siblings, you know, I think we're being replaced by, by kids that our parents love more. And it would be kind of hard to argue against you because look at the evidence. So right. this matters on a bunch of different levels, but on the most basic level, it's a voting rights question. In a democracy, one person equals one vote. If you change the population, you dilute the political power of the people who live there. So every time they import a new voter, I become disenfranchised as a current voter. So I don't understand why we don't understand this. I mean, everyone wants to make a racial issue out of it. Ooh, the you know white replacement there. No, no, no. This is a voting rights question. Right. So they jumped on him. Of course, he's racist and everything else. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, he may have been able to articulate some of that better and talk about like uh, the actual plan. Now, th there is some data behind it, of course, you know, uh, 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 California, especially. I mean, not in my lifetime was a very staunch Republican state. I mean, Ronald Reagan was the president or the governor before president. He was the governor of California that became president and won California. And it's uh, since the demographics have changed, it has changed. The other thing is, though, the right can, you know, work to educate and win these voters over. That's true. Uh, I think the issue is right now, and I think this is the part that maybe Tucker left out. Uh, and he has a good point. He really does. But, you know, obviously people are going to come here and change, you know, voting style and all that. But, uh you know, his basic point is the fact they're bringing in all these people and giving them things just to so they will vote for the Democrat Party. And and that's what he objects to. And that's that's the same thing. And I would object to it, too, if if the Republican Party was doing the same thing, saying, hey, come here, we're going to give you other people's money, because that's where it really comes down to make a lot of people mad. It would be different if they were giving their own money. But they're not. They're giving away taxpayer money, your and I money to uh, people who are just jumping the border and coming here and saying, hey, we're going to give you all this if you vote for us. And it's the same thing that they did. At Tammany Hall, New York. Watch the gangs in New York. You'll see it happen. Uh, there was uh, Boss Tweed. Uh, there's, uh, you know, they had a machine in Chicago uh, that did the same thing, uh, took in immigrants, put them in slums, said, hey, we're going to give you a job and a place to live, and you can be here in America, just vote for us. And as well in Kansas City, there was another one. So uh, this is basically what they're doing again, and that's what he's saying is it's just diluting the, the vote. Um but I think the part that he's not articulating quite well with that is the fact that they're not saying they're bringing them here, giving them stuff, and then making them citizens. In many cases, they're like, well, we can't give you citizenship for years. Everybody get mad at us. That's why they fight the ID laws, obviously, because anybody who is an American citizen has no problem having an ID. We all have ID, every damn one of us. I guarantee you, you would be hard-pressed to find any 
regular American citizen that does not have at least one form of ID, period. That's just the way it is. You have to have it for everything you do in your life, period. You have to have it to leave the house. If you get pulled over and you don't have your driver's license, it's a ticket. I mean, that's just the basic rules. So the only reason they throw big fits is actually because they do want to displace voters by people that aren't eligible to vote yet. They haven't lived here. And that's the whole point because a lot of it, especially if you're coming into Texas, you live there a while, you get acclimated and, and you know, uh, into the culture. They know there's a real damn good chance that most, uh, you know, most of the Latino population are very conservative. I mean, in their basic uh, ideas, you know, they're very family oriented, very religious, uh, you know, and they're looking for freedom and they're getting away from tyranny. So, of course, they are going to probably eventually be uh, more conservative base if, if you know, people appeal to those uh, aspects. <clears throat> and that is the problem is they're not wanting this to just... Uh, you know, give it some years and let people acclimate and then become voters. They want them to be voters now so they can replace all the people in America. And if you think this is a crazy thing that what he's saying, here is um, one of the uh, Obama appointees, Julian Castro, saying exactly the same thing. Apparently, he's not racist for saying it, though. In a couple of presidential cycles, you'll be on election night. You'll be announcing that we're calling the 38 electoral votes of Texas for the Democratic nominee for president. It's changing it's going to become a purple state and then a blue state because of the demographics, because of the population growth of folks from outside of Texas. Uh, that's weird. I mean, he's basically saying, well, just because we're bringing in so many people from South America, uh, it's going to change it. Um, that sounds exactly why, like what Tucker's saying. And uh, But apparently Julian Castro is not racist for saying it, but Tucker is. So that's that's one to wrap your head around. I mean, they're both saying the exact same thing, just one's happy about it and one plays for the right team, I guess. So that is, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's ridiculous. They're calling him racist, wanting to be fired and nobody, uh, nobody stood up for that one. Anyway, uh, the last thing for today, uh, we're going to talk about is, uh, more jobs, more jobs. Uh, I don't know if you saw Biden talking about this, but, uh, Biden, uh, came out and said he is going to create a whole bunch of new jobs, just a whole bunch of new jobs and everybody should be, you know, pretty happy about that. Everybody should be really happy. We're going to create a whole bunch of jobs. Uh, there's one problem though. Um, their two and a half billion dollar plan to do this apparently is not responsible for it or something. That's really weird. Um, they, they got Pete Buttigieg apparently was on with, uh, on Fox, was it? Yeah, Fox. He was on with Fox, and uh, he thought he was actually, you know, because he was with Chris Wallace. So he thought he was in good company and it wouldn't be a problem. But unfortunately for him, it was a problem. And uh, here, we'll take a listen. Another fact check. <laughs> uh, all of you in the Biden administration have been selling this plan as a huge mm -hmm. jobs creator. Here you are just last Sunday. The American Jobs Plan is about a generational investment. Oh. It's going to create 19 million jobs. And we're talking about so, economic growth that's going to go on for years and years. False lie, and they know it. But it turns out the study you're citing from Moody's oh, look at that, same one. Yep. says the economy will add 16.3 <laughs> million jobs 
without the without infrastructure the bill. bill. And exactly 2.7 million yeah. more with it. So it doesn't, as you said last Sunday, create 19 million jobs. <laughs> Again, Secretary Buttigieg, why mislead folks? <laughs> Well, you're right, job. I should have been more precise. The 19 million jobs more that'll precise. be created are lying. more. You should have been more precise, yeah, instead of just lying. And uh, and I, I don't have, did I lose the clip? I think I lost the clip. Maybe I didn't have enough room for the clip. Huh, I'm going to have to fix that. Uh, yeah, I had a clip of, uh, you know, Biden saying the same thing, that it's new two and a half or 2.25 trillion, because like I said before, who gets out of bed for less than a trillion now? You just don't. I mean, who cares? Who cares of billions? <laughs> can't get out of bed for less than a trillion. Uh, and it said that basically uh, the economy was going to grow 16 million jobs on its own. And they're just basically uh, adding 3 million jobs uh, to the market by this crazy infrastructure plan for, you know, over $2 billion such liars you know and and he gets caught and instead of saying yeah well you know he just oh yeah i guess i should have been clear that that's how many jobs are going to get created i mean it's not exactly because of this plan i mean this plan is going to bankrupt everybody along with the rest of the plans that have been implemented in the last year and a half are going to bankrupt this country and send us into hellacious inflation that i have no idea how to combat i really don't i don't know i won't survive that's for sure if inflation goes where they're talking about i won't survive uh, I would have to have 10 jobs. Uh, the amount of cash I would have to have to buy something. I mean, I had to get just a wheelbarrow full of cash to be able to buy things. That's what happens with inflation. And, uh, you know, they admit that, you know, well, there might be some coming or whatever. It won't be bad. It's going to be fine. I don't know where they get their ideas, but this is what you get. You get <clears throat> somebody going, yeah, we're going to create 19 million jobs. And that's how you spit it. And then people are like, well, hell, you know, uh, why are you blocking that? It's creating jobs for, you know, all my family. Uh, they're actually going to be created anyway, apparently. And the uh, the price tag for the last three or three and a half million jobs that they're talking about is so astronomical. I mean, if you break that down, I can't do the math right now, but they would be some of the highest paying jobs uh, ever in America if it costs you uh, two, uh, over $2 trillion to basically create three uh three million jobs i mean i can't do the math in my head on that one uh mostly because i can't even comprehend the uh trillion figure in like any real sense i mean that's the whole problem is people just hear the word and like yeah whatever you know it's a trillion they don't even you know it's a thousand billion you know it's it's just such an astronomical number that it just it doesn't make sense you know, your brain cannot comprehend it. It's like the amount of money that is would, you know, just, you know, fill up your house or something. It's just unreasonable. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they got busted a little bit. And, and I give uh, some credit to Chris Wallace. He actually, uh, you know, uh, apparently fell down and uh, found some journalism somewhere and decided to uh, call uh, Pete Buttigieg out on it. And that was great because, you know, Biden was out flogging it uh before him, you know, he was flog, you know, trying to sell it to everybody uh, earlier than uh, Judge was, and uh, was saying, uh, and that's, and you can tell who they're appealing to. They're trying to win over the people that hate them, and that's why he's coming out going, "Well, that's going to create a lot of blue collar jobs," you know, uh, blue collar jobs. 
Oh, you know, there you go. There's some Biden for today. I mean, that's, you know, it's absolutely insane. So uh, I'm glad they got busted on it. It doesn't look like some of these things are going to go. Uh, I think they can forget about court packing. They can forget about getting rid of the filibuster because uh, Joe Manchin's not going along with them on a lot of this, which is good. And I hope he holds to that. And I f- and people are like, yeah, well, you know, he'll probably waffle on it. He's probably not going to stand up as hard as he's saying. Uh, I think he's going to have to. I don't think Joe Manchin has a choice. I mean, if he wants to continue to be a politician, I don't think he has a choice. He knows his constituency in West Virginia and who they're going to vote for. And he's not going to win another election if he doesn't stand up and get a lot more conservative real damn quick. And uh, we're starting to see flashes of that. And people are like, oh, well, you know, the administration, this person will put pressure, that person will be put pressure. They can't exert the kind of pressure that literally being on the hot seat is going to create. And that's one in our favor as the people. Uh, that's one in our favor because it doesn't matter how great a, you know, appointee or, or what, you know, committee you're going to get on and all that, that can be enticing for somebody that knows they have a path back to office. But if your options are, well, you know, do or die, um, apparently you get your back against the wall. You figure it out real quick that it doesn't matter about that if I'm not here and I'm not going to be here if I side with all this. So that's actually very encouraging that that's happening. Um, and I hope it sticks because, you know, Manchin's always kind of sold himself. And, and I know him from he was the governor when I still lived in West Virginia. So I, I know him pretty well in the fact of, you know, how he, uh, you know, had governed the state and whatnot. Um, kind of have mixed feelings about that for sure. But um, I just don't think he has a choice. I don't think he has a choice. And, and that's the way it should be. That's how we do hold politicians accountable um, is by saying, hey, listen, you know, you do this and and you're done. You're packing your bags and you're headed home. You're not going to be there any longer. So uh, I think that's uh, helping out a lot. And the very last thing, I uh, don't have a whole lot of time left, but the very last thing that I found that was truly frightening is this escalating situation in the Ukraine, which is so weird. You know, all this stuff seemed to be settled, Syria, Ukraine, you know, at least for, you know, major issues and battles. It seemed pretty well coming under control in a lot of ways under the Trump administration. Now Biden gets in. You've got Burisma and and Syrian oil deals and all these different deals that were going on with Hunter and, and involving Joe and all this. And now suddenly all those things that we thought were kind of under wraps and secure and and maybe headed in the right direction suddenly aren't. And now the Russian uh, military is building up on the border with Ukraine. We have a treaty obligation with Ukraine. So if Russia invades the Ukraine, we're, you know, treaty bound to defend them. And that can get really ugly and. You know, we're looking at a Cold War era, you know, proxy war, which is not what anybody wants in any way, shape or form. I mean, you want to tank your uh, uh, your you want to sink your ship of of believing that you're going to get back in power or keep power even in the midterms. It's done right there. You start fighting one of these crazy, insane, um, you know, proxy wars in a faraway land, killing Americans for no no apparent benefit for the U.S., yeah, you're talking serious backlash, as it should be, as it should be. I'm not saying it's a, a bad thing at all. There should be a major 
uh, backlash. And uh, I heard somebody saying, well, why would we want to go to war with Russia because they have nukes and all that? And um, I mean, I think that's kind of a moot point. I mean, Russia doesn't want to self-destruct any more than the U.S. wants to self-destruct. The point is what I was making earlier about 2A is, uh, you know, the the threat is a hell of a deterrent. And I think that's what they're uh, and I, I, I know that's what's kept the U.S. and Russia from mutually destroying each other is the fact that, well, if you do that, then there's nothing left for anybody else, by the way. Yeah, nothing left for anybody else if you do that. So something we got to keep an eye on because that could be that could be the next Afghanistan. You know, I know uh, supposedly came out and Biden said he's getting rid of uh, uh, all the troops out of Afghanistan by 9-11 this year, which uh, I mean, that's a good thing. They should be out of there. We shouldn't have been there for a decade uh, or longer than a decade. Um, almost 20 years now, isn't it? It's almost two decades, right? I think so. Almost two decades of this. Um, but I hate to say it. If this starts going down, they may not be coming home. They may be heading over to the uh, you know rec- Ukrainian area to fight in a proxy war with Russia, which just wow. So many of these things we thought were fixed and we wouldn't have to deal with for a while, and holy shit, they are they are here and rearing their ugly heads again. Wow, what a what a load of news in uh, in a short episode, packed almost fifteen or twenty minutes worth of. Uh, of information and entertainment into the entire hour. So that should be well worth it. Well worth it. And speaking of that, uh, that's going to take care of today's episode. But if you want to get a hold of me directly, comment or whatever, uh, you can do so on Facebook at Eric's America Pod. All one word, all lowercase, no no punctuation. It's the internet. Who needs punctuation, right? Uh, so that's at Eric's America pod. That would be Facebook. Uh, Eric's dash America.com is the website. Uh, have some stuff up on there and, uh, you can just send me an old fashioned email if you want. And that's at, uh, that's Eric's America pod at Gmail. That will come directly to me because there is no staff. It's just me. So that all being said, I uh, will be back on Friday. We're going to talk about some of this new COVID stuff uh, happening like here in Michigan and whatnot and see what's going on. See what is in store for us, I guess. But until Friday, just remember, it's no agenda, just America. 